Strength and the Things That Remain podcast. We're glad that you join us today. And uh, we've been getting a lot of feedback from these podcasts. And we certainly do appreciate you watching and certainly those of you that are sharing uh, on Facebook and letting other people know about the podcast. And we've had some exciting ones over the last few weeks. Last week's brother Jimmy Millsap was phenomenal as we talked about uh, uh, some end-time doctrine. We have with us today Brother Gary Crisp. He is the General Director of Prayer Baptist Missions. Brother Gary, we appreciate you coming and being with us. Good to be here. Thank you for having me, preacher. Tell us um, a little bit about yourself, about your, how you got saved, called to preach, and uh, exactly what you do with Prayer, prayer, prayer Baptist Missions. Well, uh, I wasn't brought up in church. Um, I had a good mama and good daddy. They they regretted that later on, but they were all about, I guess, making a living instead of the spiritual things. And so um, in our area where we grew up, there wasn't no churches that had any bus ministries or van ministries or anything of that nature in those days. I guess if there had been, I'd probably been a bus kid. I loved to go to church, just didn't have nobody to take me. Uh, I guess Bible schools was kind of the highlight of my summers. I'd get to go to Bible school and I'd go to all the local churches, area churches where I grew up. I'd go to their Bible schools, enjoyed that. Uh, but those in those days, they may not have had no bus ministries or anything, but they used to have cottage prayer meeting, uh, just where they'd meet in people's houses and have church. And uh, Calvary Baptist Church had, had Brother Ray Stewart in those days. Uh, he was pastoring there at Calvary. And my ma- uh, my mamaw, my grandmother, she uh, she went to Calvary, and they had a had a prayer meeting in Mamaw's living room. And uh, the year was 1979. Um, I remember it well. I, I rode my bicycle up. It's on a Thursday night. I rode my bicycle up to Mamaw's. I was nine year old. And I remember laying the bicycle down there in the yard and I walked up onto the porch, went into the house. I did, I don't know if I even knowed what they were really doing. I may have, I may have showed up more out of curiosity than anything, but, um, I just went in, kind of sat down in between the bedroom and living room, just watch what happened. And uh, I remember, I remember the preacher coming in. Uh, nobody had to tell me that's a preacher. Uh, he looked like a preacher. Amen. Uh, he had a black suit on, carried a black leather King James Bible. <laughs> and right behind the preacher was his dear wife, Miss Nellie. And uh, she had an old guitar case and she carried it in. A few more folks from the church and from the community, I guess. I believe Brother Jimmy may have been there. And um, they came in. I just kind of watched what was going on. And I remember, I remember Miss Nellie laying that guitar case down the floor, and she went over and flipped the latches and raised the lid, pulled out an old Gibson guitar, and uh, right there beside the wood stove, uh, she began to play, and her and Brother Ray began to sing. And they even remember the song they sang. I don't want to get adjusted to this world. And they got through singing. She put up the guitar, and the preacher just got his Bible, and right there beside me, I was wood stove right in the middle of the living room floor. He just began to preach. And the Holy Ghost. Amen. Holy Ghost found Robbinsville, North Carolina, a little nine-year-old boy that's lost without God. Amen. Showed him his need for a Savior. And I didn't understand everything, and I, I still don't understand everything. But uh, I went out and sat on the porch, and and my cousin, he, I guess he saw I was under conviction or something. I don't know what it was, but he began to talk to me a little bit. And uh, invitation time came out. I walked in through the living room and, and I knelt down beside the old wood stove there. And uh, the preacher took his Bible and he flipped over to Romans 10 and he started pointing out some verses. 
And I remember looking at uh, Romans ten thirteen through tear-filled eyes, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah. And I don't know what all happened that night, but I do know I left my mom as a different person. Yeah. I believe with all my heart God saved me that night. And I still wasn't taken to church. Um, I remember going home and telling Mama what happened. And um, I don't know, it kind of let me down that she didn't seem as near as enthusiastic about it as I did. Uh, so they they still never went to church, and and I I still bumming rides. If somebody's going to church, I'd try to go with them. And I got up my teenage years, and I really had no foundation or anything of that nature. But and I know that's a lame excuse, but I got up my teenage years, and I really started drifting away. And um, but what helps me? I done a lot of things that a lot of people would say. You know, you probably wasn't saved. Uh, but then none of that that I'd done, I could do it with peace. Mm-hmm. I couldn't go home and lay down at night and go off to sleep without it bothering me. God was eating me up. And um, I started praying. I said, Lord, I, I want to live right. I, I don't want this. And I said, I want to please you, Lord. I said, but I, I don't know how. I said, I need some help. And I believe God answered my prayer. And he, he, sent, he sent me my wife. Um, my wife... Grew up under her uncle, Brother J.B. Smith, was the only pastor she ever knowed, old-fashioned, gun-barrel, straight preacher. Amen. And um, uh, she she never missed a service. And so I, I met her and started going to church with her. And um, I fell in love with her and fell in love with the Lord all over again. And um, I, I pulled her aside. Uh, Brother J.B. wanted me to start teaching the teens, and I started teaching the young people. I was excited about that, but I didn't feel like that was, that was enough. I didn't feel like that was all that God wanted. So I pulled my wife aside. And I said, honey, I think God's, God's called me to preach. And uh, before she even thought about it, she'd seen all the battles that Brother JB, her uncle, had had to fight and all that he had endured. Before she even thought about it, she said, I can't be no preacher's wife. And uh, she no more said that. I was in the guard, and she no more said that, and my phone rang. And they mobilized us for Desert Storm, mm. and uh, we'd only been married for three months when they when they pulled me away and uh, sent us over to Saudi and Iraq. And so here I was dealing with a calling of God on my heart and uh, dealing with all that at the same time. But I believe that's all the Lord working everything out. And we got over there and make a long story short, we started having some services. We didn't have no preacher, didn't have no pastor or anything, but uh, we was we just wanted God. We wanted we wanted we wanted His Word, and so uh, we we found a tent that there wasn't nobody using. It was an empty tent there in the desert, and we asked permission. Can we can we start? Can we use that tent? Well, I said we want to meet for Bible study or whatever. So they let us use that tent. And we, I guess for about two weeks straight there while we was in that one place. Uh, we started holding services. I, I don't know if services. We just got together and prayed and read the Bible and somebody take turns reading Scripture or whatever. And um, uh, we'd done that for about two weeks straight. Had two guys saved during that time. That? And uh, one night after after one of those services, after everybody left that tent, I, I got down in the sand, and it, it's just me and the Lord. And uh, I told God, I said, I'm through running. I said, uh, I'll do I'll do anything. I believe I really surrendered. I said, I'll do anything God you want me to do. 
And uh, he put it on my heart. And he said, son, I want you to preach. And why he did that, I don't, I don't know. But uh, I got home, and, and I talked to my wife about it some more. And um, shortly thereafter, I got home. Uh, we had the opportunity to go around to a couple of churches and tell about what all the Lord had did while we was in Saudi and all that stuff. And, and somewhere right in there, I don't have it wrote down. Nobody wrote it down. I somewhere right in there around 91, 90, I guess it's 92, when I announced my call to preach. It's a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. I'm not sure at Mount Nebo. Uh, they'd got my wife and I up to sing. And um, uh, before I could sing, I couldn't say nothing. I couldn't do nothing. I, I t- looked at the church, just a small crowd, and I said, God's called me to preach. Amen. And uh, so uh, that's been almost 30 years ago now. Uh, we've been in the ministry, and for 17 of those years, uh, Lord allowed me to pastor. And I thank the Lord for the time that I had in the pastorate. But then in um, August of 20, uh, August of 2010, uh, Lord began to deal with my heart about leaving the pastorate and going into missions. And a uh, matter of fact, he started dealing with my heart probably about 2008. And I started praying. My wife and I both started praying. And for two years, we prayed about it. And God confirmed it then in 2010. And we resigned the pastorate, just stepped out on faith, went full-time. And at that time, with uh, Preaching Time Ministries, Brother Dwayne Moore, uh, just mission helps, uh, ministry helps. And um, I, I felt like that was the avenue the Lord wanted us to go in. And, and for seven years, I served alongside Brother Moore of Preaching Time. And uh, my focus through those seven years was mission helps. We did a lot of youth, youth meetings and things of that nature. But my, my focus, my burden that whole time was mission helps and we got the opportunity to travel to several different places whether it be the u.s or around the world and got to spend some time with missionaries to be a help to missionaries and and then uh, somewhere around uh, 2016 i believe it was but jimmy approached me and uh, said that brother tingen brother gary tingen he was the general director of prior baptist uh, was looking to step out and retire and he asked me to pray about you know becoming the general director of prior baptist and i told him at the time i said preacher i believe i'm right where i'm supposed to be he said well that's where i want you he said pray about it and uh, so we began to pray about it and kindly began and just not even real serious about praying about it but, but boy that thing got bigger and bigger and bigger so uh august 2017 i i became the general director of prior baptist missions and and really, a whole lot of what I do now didn't really change. I'm still in mission helps pretty much, um, and, and honored to serve with Prayer Baptist. I have forty some missionaries with Prayer, and uh, they're scattered around the globe. And we're just doing all that we can to try to be a help, try to be a, an assist to them, and as well as all the local churches that are supporting those Amen. missionaries. You know, that's an that's that's such a great story in the sand over there in Saudi Arabia. Let me, let me. I was thinking, this uh, let me say one thing while it's on my mind. <laughs> don't, don't be talking over me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I was, I was thinking when he was, when he, when you were talking about that, who is it that uh, was famous for saying there ain't no atheists in foxholes? Amen. Oh, yeah. That's and, true. And, you know, there really is an open mission field in the military, particularly during wartime. That's exactly Absolutely. right. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Um, tell about, I know Miss Jenny said at first she didn't want to, uh, you didn't mention how she came around. Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> I always said that 
my wife was responsible for starting Desert Storm. So, uh, <laughs> she, she laughs about it now, but uh, I give her a hard time about it. I said, if you just went ahead and submitted, Saddam wouldn't have never done what he'd done. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, that gave that gave me plenty of time. That gave my wife plenty of time to uh, think about things, consider. Uh, we didn't know this at the time, but when I left, uh, she was expecting with our first child. And I didn't find out until I got in, in Saudi Arabia. This was days before cell phone. Uh, wasn't even nobody that I know had internet. But um, uh, it's, it was a few weeks it went by, and um, I was able to get, get up to somewhere that had an old landline, one of them crank phones, and that's how I got to call home. And uh, I called home on that crank phone. You couldn't hardly hear or anything else, but she told me that she was expecting whenever I got to, to talk to her. And funny thing, this don't have nothing to do with what the Lord did on that, but I had the opportunity to announce the birth, or the expecting of our child. Uh, Bob Scott was the editor of Asheville Citizen during those times. He came over and spent a couple of weeks with us. And so he sat down and interviewed some of us, and I had just found out that I was uh, going to be a daddy. And I told him about that, so he put it on the front page of the Asheville Citizen. Really? And and I got to announce to everybody in Graham County wow. before she did. Wow. <laughs> but it's uh, Lord worked on both of us, and and uh, thank the Lord for my, my wife. God give me a good wife Amen. to uh, stick alongside of me in the ministry. Amen. And if it wasn't for her, I don't know what I'd do. You know, when you was telling that story, it brought me back. The Lord was calling me to preach. And uh, we sat over here at Dillard's Texaco, me and Rachel. We just dating, wasn't married yet. And I told her, I said, I, I think I'm going to have to preach. She said, well, she said, I ain't going to be no preacher's wife. Mm. She said, I'd always said three things I wouldn't marry, a preacher, a politician, and a publisher. <laughs> she got two she got out of three. I, I ain't <laughs> run for nothing yet. But she said, I wouldn't marry any of them three. And she said, I can't be a preacher's wife. And I said, well, I guess that means me and you're breaking up. And uh, she she was crying, I was crying, got in the car, drove to mom and daddy's. And when I got there, the phone was ringing, and it's her. Oh, and she said, I, I, she said, I was wrong mm. about that. If you'll take me back, she said, I'd be glad to be a preacher's wife. Well, Amen. Uh, I announced my calling in the most unusual way ever. Uh, we was up here in the old church. I come to church here as a teenage kid. We was up here in the old church. Pastors at that time was Jeff Altry. We had... Uh, Don Wilson was preaching for us from over at Indian Creek. He was a young preacher at Indian Creek. Don was up preaching, and he was running long, and he was supposed to be on the radio at 1 o'clock. Jeff motioned for me, and we went out on the back porch, and he said, go over to the radio station and get Indian Creek's broadcast started because Don ain't going to make it. I said, okay. I started off the porch. He handed me his Bible, and he said, preach if you want to. <laughs> Son, God said, you going to preach. So my church come out and turned the radio on. I didn't. I hadn't said nothing to nobody but Rachel. They come out and turned the radio on. And I'm preaching on the radio. That's me. And then that night I announced my call to preach. Oh, that's how everybody. That's how everybody found out first. Amen. My first message on the radio. You know, Amen. a lot of women struggle with that. You know, in a, especially if they didn't marry a preacher. You know, I know. I know my wife didn't. She, I remember her telling me I didn't marry a preacher. And uh, but I'm glad God's able to change hearts Amen. and work on lives and. And I thank God for my wife. And, and I'll say this about Brother Gary. Uh, we spent a lot of time together. We traveled together. We, we've been on vacation together. We've been 
uh, out of the country together. We've been across this country together. And uh, what I'd have to say about Brother Gary and Miss Jenny is that they're real. And uh, uh, they're real. And I just like to be around people that's real. Amen. And this love God. And uh, I appreciate Brother Gary and his, his family and, and, uh, and their spirit. And I'm, I'm thankful for them. But we, we, we kind of wanted to talk today a little bit about transitioning in the ministry. And, and you alluded to how that, you know, you'd had, uh, well, several trans, you know, transition. I think you passed for 17 years, not all at the same church. Right, right. How many uh, churches did you pastor, brother? Four different churches in 17 years. Uh, and the last church you, you, you pastored, I know you'd started a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, uh, when when you, in reality, I guess you could say you really didn't have any reason to leave the no. church. I mean, it was going well. Uh, my kids was a part of the Christian school then. And the Christian school was going well, best, best of my knowledge anyway, it seemed to be. And the church was going well, and uh, things were going good, uh, but God had different plans. Right. And I know, uh, you know, it, it is uh, uh, contrary to what some believe. God don't leave you at, at one place, you know, forever. He may move your, you may change your direction, and uh, change from a pastor to missions and evangelism and uh, doing things is, is is a big adjust, big change, right? A big adjustment. And uh, I, I know this. Uh, I remember when God was dealing with my heart about uh, going into missions and, and really going full-time and leaving my job. It was a scary thing. Yes, sir. Uh, I've worked the job ever since I was 16 years old and, and uh, never um, never imagined being full-time in the ministry, so to speak. Um, but uh, it was a scare. The day I walked off my job and went, and uh, hit the road full time. It was a scary, scary yes, sir. thing. Yes, um, talk a little bit about that. How you know? You said you prayed about it for two years, and God uh, confirmed. Uh, you know, t- talk a little bit about how God began working your heart about that, and about uh, you know how God confirmed that in your heart, and then a little bit about just you know, there's a lot of difference in in maybe doing what you're doing and doing what you're doing now as far as uh, talk a little bit about how that came to be and, and, and the change there. Sure. Let me say, first of all, I did pastor four churches uh, during those 17 years. And the first church I pastored, maybe even the second one, I didn't have no business pastoring. I mean, I, I announced my call to preach. I didn't know nothing then. I still don't know nothing now, but I sure didn't know nothing then. And I jumped right into pastoring, and, and I guess uh, I guess that's basic training for me because uh, mm. uh, I wish to goodness I had sat under my pastor yes, and and learned and growed. And we talked this, about this a little bit earlier, but um, uh, in in that day, especially where I was, there was some kind of anti uh, trust toward Bible colleges. Uh, it's all going around that uh, uh, Bible colleges are ruining our young preachers and stuff. And so I, I scared death Bible college or anything. But I'd give anything if I had just sat down and sat under my pastor and got in that book. I wished I could have went to Bible college and learned more. Then might have kept me from a whole lot of heartache. Uh, but I did pastor those four churches, and then um, the last right at ten years of my pastorate. I spent at my wife's home church, Mount Nebo Baptist Church, and um, 
had a tremendous ministry there. The Lord blessed. Uh, we were able to start a, a Christian school. Uh, matter of fact, her uncle, Brother JB, he had he had had a vision for a Christian school there for years. Uh, when they built their fellowship hall, they built it two story with the hopes of one day that maybe that bottom story would be used as a, a Christian school. And so the Lord, I guess, fulfilled that vision. Uh, when I became pastor there, we started the Christian school. And so things were going good. Um, I guess probably seven years of those nine or ten that I was there, we had the Christian school. Uh, things were going good. At one time, the Christian school got up to, I think we had 62 students at one time, and that's that's a lot for our area. Yeah, it really is. Um, backtrack just a little bit about the Christian school. Um, there are some challenges in a Christian school. I know it. it, it, it is, a, you know, lately, some of my I've had a, a lot of men come to me desire to start a Christian school at their church and things of that nature. Uh, and there, there is some challenges to that. There is. Uh, yes. uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, my wife, she bore the blunt probably of the burden as far as uh, taking care of all the paperwork, doing all the research, what needs to be done, all this and that. I took the title. I took the title as, as principal and all that stuff. And, and I would say this, especially anybody that would be considering starting a Christian school, I would never recommend that the pastor also be the principal and everything else. That's way too much to put on a pastor. Mm-hmm. A pastor needs to devote his time to, as a pastor. Uh, but I was trying to do everything. I was trying to do the pastor. I was trying to do the principal. I was trying to do teaching. I was, I was the janitor. I was a bus driver. I was a PE coach. I, you name it. And, and that's just way, way too much. So I guess probably one of the biggest challenges of starting a Christian school is being surrounded by people that can help you, that you can delegate delegate things to, that people that you can trust that'll do. And and there's no there's no financial there's no money in Christian school or anything, and so you've got to find some teachers and stuff that are willing to work for nothing. You know, Uh, when I was when I I I was eighteen years old, graduated high school. Went off to college, went two years at uh, Western Carolina University, came home and got married at 20 years old. There's a local Christian school here that six different churches had started. The director had, had left, and uh, they sat me down and said, would you like to be the principal? 20 years old. I mean, I was teaching kids that was 17. Yeah. You know, uh, looking back on that, I should have never have took it. I, I was more interested in them youngins getting their paces done so we could go outside and play. Yeah. That's just the truth. I wanted to go out and play football or whatever they was playing. I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I learned some things during that time at the Christian school that I was the administrator. One thing I learned, and see if you agree with me, you never really know people until you teach their children. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and you learn things about people teaching their children. That you that you would have never known otherwise. Yes, it yes. brings out a side of parent. That parent side comes out. Yes, sir. And particularly with you, I mean, mine was kind of abstract. I didn't have to go to church with most of those people, but you were pastoring them, right? right. Uh, and I imagine it had to be some kind of you had to come up with a, some kind of a disconnect there, so that it didn't carry over into Sunday. Yes, sir. And even even at best, it would still carry over. So yeah. I mean, yeah. you, but we we opened up our Christian school not only just our church members. It was opened up to anybody that wanted to come. 
And um, I always said this, if it if it just been the kids that we could deal with, it, we'd had a good time. Right. But when you start dealing with them parents, man, yeah. that's that's yeah. that's one of the biggest challenges probably in the Christian school is is dealing with mom and daddy. And I mean that is their kids, and they want the best education for them and all that. And I understand, but uh, that that's one of the biggest challenges dealing with parents. Yeah, you know, my wife's a public school teacher, and and parenting not as a whole has changed in America so much. Yeah. When I was a kid, if I came home and I'd gotten in trouble at school. Daddy busted sure. my rear end yeah. and told me, bless goodness, a teacher's right and you're wrong. Yeah. I don't care what you say about it. But, yeah. you know, parenting, by and large, today, you come home, yes, sir. they immediately take the kid's side. The teacher's wrong. And that's true kind of across the board. Yeah, it, it makes is. it tough. It, it really is. Yes, sir. But uh, the, the Christian school presented many challenges. But yet, all in all, it, it was going good. Yeah. I mean, uh, the Lord was blessing it as well. It, it taught me a lot of things, I guess. Uh, but uh, to get to the transition there, um, things were going good at the Christian school. Things, as far as I know, things going good at church. Uh, Two thousand eight, we were we were taking our kids on mission trips, and again, I would advise anybody that's got a Christian school get your get your kids on mission trips, get involved in missions. Uh, anyway, we were taking them on mission trips and stuff. Man, the Lord began to work on my heart. In, in the area of missions, toward missions. And that, that was in about 2008 when my wife and I, she both, both of us together, we began praying, you know, maybe the Lord's got something for us in missions. And eventually, I mean, beginning it was just a small thing, but uh, in a couple of years' time, that thing had grew large. And then um, it's, it was our 20th wedding anniversary. Uh, my wife and I, I don't know if I should say this on a podcast. We went on a cruise. Am I? Uh, um, we'd never been on one. I, I was kind of anti-cruise. I didn't want to go. But anyway, we went. One of our stops was in Honduras, Roatan. And we got off the boat, and they don't advise this, but we went on our own. We went. Yep. We, we got away from the glamour uh, and all the retail things, and we just started exploring the island. And we met up with a little Honduran boy by the name of Hattie. I'll never forget Hattie. And uh, Hattie started showing us around the poor side of the island. And he took us to the Baptist church that was started by a missionary there. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the Lord didn't lead us into church planning, uh, but uh, God God done something to me and my wife both. Yes, Amen. On that island of Roatan, and we come home. Our kids were scared to death. They, uh, we come home. They thought we we're going to Honduras. <laughs> they, uh, oh Lord, Mom and Daddy surrendered. We're going to Honduras as missionaries, and uh, uh, we did. We didn't go that direction, but boy, God confirmed missions yeah. in our heart yeah. there on that on that trip. No, no. So you as a pastor, you know, like yes, um, if I'm gonna make any kind of move, me uh, right now. I'm, of course, I'm under my pastor, but Jimmy, um, and you know, I I consult him. You know, sure, I yes. Talk to him, get counsel from him, and, and uh, of course, I don't make a move anything without talking to him and and, and getting leadership from him. Uh, did you seek counsel from anybody? I mean, you know, because you're I mean, you're a pastor. You yes, know, you, you yes, know, uh, you didn't necessarily have a pastor, so to speak. Right. Uh, um, you know, there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, yes, safety sir. in a multitude of counselors. So. Uh, do you seek counsel? That's what I was going to say. I sought, 
I sought counsel from quite a few different older men that that knew much more than I did. Uh, Brother JB, I still considered him my pastor, and uh, I talked to Brother JB about it. Um, of course, Brother Moore, I, that's the one we went with full time. Talked to Brother Moore quite a bit, and some other men, and just sought counsel as to how to do it and things of that nature. And so when we surrendered to do that, and you're talking about scary, when we surrendered to do that, it was, I remember it well, it was August the 15th, 2010, on a Sunday morning when I resigned the pastorate. And uh, I was convinced that's what the Lord wanted me to do after much prayer. And I would, I would encourage everybody, don't, don't do nothing quickly. Yeah. If, if you feel like that you need to make a change in ministry, and there's going to be a transition. Don't don't jump into that. Take time to bathe that in prayer, and make sure and seek counsel. Talk to your pastor. Talk to other men of God. Uh, if you're going from one area to another, find somebody in that area and talk to them. And don't don't do nothing quickly. And so we again this this came to be over a period at least two years and um, sought counsel. And, and I remember when I resigned the pastorate that Sunday morning, again, everything's going fine. And it broke her heart. That's where Jenny's mom and daddy was going to church. A lot of her family were there, and we loved them people. And um, it, it broke her heart on that part, just leaving. Uh, but then right after I resigned that Sunday morning, I remember got, we got in a vehicle, and I left the church. And, and I don't know if it was my flesh or the devil, I was like, what in the world did you just do? Yeah. I mean, the church was giving me a, a, a decent salary. Uh, I got a little bit from the Christian school. And so I, I had an income. We were we were making it. And uh, it, it just dawned on me. I don't even know if I considered it. Well, surely I did. <laughs> but it really dawned on me that, that Sunday afternoon. You've gone from a decent income. All three of my kids were still home. You've gone from a decent income. You've got nothing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I had no, I had no insurance. I had no income, no, no money coming in. Well, Jenny was going to stay on the Christian school for a little while, and again, they give her a little bit, but that ain't much. And so, uh, I, th- I thought, I'm gonna starve to death. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna starve my kids to death. And um, I resigned, and we left. And, and before I got home. I don't even know if I'd really made it public. I had talked to some men through counsel. And uh, before I got home, my phone rang. And it's a pastor in South Mississippi. And he said, Brother Gary, he said, I just wanted to let you know we took you on for support this morning. And, I mean, and that's just, man, not to seem like much to some, but that's like a stamp of approval that God God confirmed. Did you did you preach a notice after you left? Did you or did you just leave that Sunday? How did how did that? I, I do think I stayed a couple of Sundays and yeah. a short notice. It wasn't no month. I notice. I know is either one or two Sundays. Right. I came. And back. you know, other preachers that I've talked to that have done that, they say that's like a funeral ever. It's tough. Yes, it's yeah. real tough. Yeah. And did you have any input on? Um, the the man that came in after you did, did. they ask your advice? I did, yes, sir. Uh, matter of fact, Brother James York ended up taking the church after I left, and um, I was the one that introduced Brother York to the church and and set up his first 
I guess, appointment to right. come. And uh, yes, I think that's. I, I really think that's a will of God. Yeah. You know, so many times I see preachers get mad and up and leave. They leave behind a wake of destruction that the church takes years to recover yeah, from. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But if a man can leave like you left on good terms, everything's going good, yes, sir. and help them find another man that can come in behind and catch that vision and continue that work, yes, sir. I really feel like that's the will of God. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I do too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, going back to what you're talking about, about praying much and bathing in prayer, um, you know, I, I, of course, I, I tell a lot of people never, never make a decision when you're discouraged. Right. right. I've seen somebody like make a, you know, a sudden decision. Uh, I'm resigning a church, or I'm leaving this, or doing whatever, and they get discouraged because of discouragement. Right. They get discouraged, and and and, you know, if you will move slow and pray much, uh, you know, that will avoid some of that because. You know, everybody gets discouraged, sure. and uh, that's a dangerous time to make it. When you study the scriptures, you'll find people make horrible decisions. David yeah. made some horrible decisions through discouragement. And uh, so did any of the counsel that you saw uh, try to discourage you? Uh, not necessarily, not intentionally anyway. Yeah. I, I think probably some... I know. I'm, Some I'm, I'm question. Did. I mean, I was, he was. Yeah, I remember him talking. Man, I'm like, man, you, you why, why? You yeah, know? yeah. And uh, I, I don't think none of that was intentional discouragement. Right. But yeah, I think, I think, I think two or three probably said, you know, you, you're doing good right where you're at. And, yeah. But but it's it's something that God does in a man's heart. Yeah. And you and you do need to seek counsel and talk to other men about it, but. Uh, <clears throat> You know, bottom, bottom line, it's between you and the Lord. If you can be talked out of it, yeah, it might not be God's will anyway. You know, I remember when God was dealing with my heart about preaching, uh, I tried to talk to my pastor, and he, you know, he wasn't even talk to me. I mean, he tried to discourage me any, yeah. any way that he could, and uh, he's sitting over here behind the camera, you know, yeah. Like, yeah. laughing about it. But you know, I remember the day that uh, I told him I was going to announce my call to preach, and I surrendered on a Monday. I met with him on Wednesday. And uh, he said, uh, "All right, we'll talk about it later." And walked off. And I thought, "What? <laughs> what? You know?" Mm-hmm. And uh, but if you can, uh, if you can be talked out of it, yeah, you know. Yeah, if, young men, if young men come see me and say, "I think the Lord's called me to preach," I always say the same thing: yeah. get out of it Run. if you can. Yeah. Yeah. Get out of it if you can. Uh, and if you can't get out of it, but now I had a young man now called preach here two weeks ago. I had no clue it was fixed to happen. He hadn't spoke to me at all. Yeah. He down the altar weeping and crying, and I just got in there to pray with him. And I'm in the middle of praying, and he grabs me and looks me right square in the eyes, and he says, Preacher, the Lord's calling me to preach. Amen. <laughs> I said, Okay. Amen. Uh, yeah. I said, Well, let's talk about it. He said, No, ain't no talking. <laughs> he said, The Lord's calling me to preach. I said, well, Let's just get up here and tell everybody. Amen. So, Amen. Amen. Good. So that's a big adjustment from being a sure. pastor to going on the road you know full time that's a big adjustment it sure oh, yeah. is yes. Um, I'm just thinking thinking about myself uh, I remember years ago when I was going to take my first church uh, I remember my pastor telling me that uh, and I never have forgot this piece of advice I guess and I I've really tried to make this uh, kind of maybe my life theme I guess you could say but he told me he said make sure that it is the will of God. Right. He said, because there'll be times you'll get in a battle, uh, you'll get in a low point, 
And the only thing you got to go on is you know God put you in it. Right. And he ain't told you to leave. Yeah. Uh, now, now, I remember when I went full time, I walked off my job again. I was scared to death. Um, you know, um, and I did hit a battle. I did hit some hard times. And uh, the devil crawled up on my shoulder and said, well, you messed up. And I actually remember my wife said, well, what have we done? Yeah, yeah. But God, yes, know, sir. but God confirmed that, you know, he over and over and over again. And, uh, and I know that there's some battles specific, you know, especially maybe at first, you know, more. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and but you 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 had that confirmation that you know God. I did, and uh, there's always going to be questions. Yeah. Did I did I did I do it right or did I did I really was I really supposed to do this? And I guess everybody I hope everybody deals with that because I always did. But anyway, I just want to be right, and uh, I had never. I had never had to live by faith. Mm. Never, it, the Bible teaches us, to, and I guess ways we do. Right. Financially speaking, I had never yeah. had to live by faith. I always had income coming, um, but but those first few months, you you literally learn to live by faith, and great lessons are learned during those times. But God's faithful. He's faithful. That first Christmas, I'll never forget that. I was going to ask you if you felt comfortable telling that. Yeah, that first Christmas. Um, See, we resigned in the middle of August. And, of course, I did have a couple of churches pick us up. But uh, by the time Christmas rolled around, I still had three kids at home. And um, they were okay with it. I mean, they they were excited about the ministry as well. I'm thankful they were. They were a big help to us starting out. And I pulled the kids aside as Christmas approached. And I, I just told them, I said, look, this year's going to be different. I said, uh, this year we're going to. We're going to celebrate Christmas for what it's all about. Uh, we, we ain't going to worry about the gifts and, and all that. I said, we've got the gift. Amen. And so uh, they, they were okay with that. Uh, and as Christmas approached, um, I'll tell the pastors out there, won't you invite a missionary or evangelist in in December? Yeah. <laughs> December's tough, but it's Christmas Day, especially as Christmas Day approached, I got a phone call like on Saturday before before Christmas, and um, Brother Stacy Piercy, he was pastoring in Tennessee, and uh, he said, "You got anywhere to be tomorrow?" No, sir, not not Sunday before Christmas. He said, uh, "He said I want you to come with, be with us tomorrow night, Sunday night." I said, "Okay." So. Uh, I don't know if that that, that might have even been Christmas Eve or just a couple of days before Christmas. So we get the family together and we 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 head to Tennessee that evening, and uh, we get there and they're having their Christmas play, and he don't even acknowledge us being in the building, and I'm like, you know, my I don't understand. I didn't know what what was going on. We enjoyed the Christmas play. We sat there and watched it, you know, and it's good. And so they're fixing to dismiss. Service is over, and uh, Brother Piercy then that's, he acknowledges. He said, "He said, uh, Brother Chris, and his family's just getting started out." He said, uh, "Before we leave tonight, we want to take up special offering for them." And so uh, they took up right at a thousand dollars that Sunday night, the Sunday before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And when everybody dismissed mm-hmm. and left, 
he took us in his office. And uh, Titus, had, just a young preacher, hadn't been preaching long. Brother Pierce, he got two boxes. He started pulling books off his bookshelves. And he gave those to, to Titus. And he sat down and took his personal checkbook and wrote both of my girls a check for $100 a piece. And uh, we, we sat there and wept like babies. But, uh, <laughs> but, but God, once again, Amen. proved. Was that, was that the event that really confirmed it? You, you, can, ask, you can ask my girls today my, and my son. Uh, one of the greatest days, one of the greatest moments. You can ask them what their favorite Christmas is. And every one of them's going to refer to yeah. that. How about that? B- because of what God taught us yeah. as oh, a yeah. family. Oh yeah, that that Sunday. Well, I, I remember. You know, y'all just confirmed it time and time and time and time and time, time again. Yeah. But I remember one time mm-hmm. in particular. Yeah, that was it. And uh, you know, uh, church not far from here. Mm-hmm. Right after we went full time, and uh, they they were very generous to us. <laughs> And I remember in their, their prophet's chamber, they took it, taken up an offering for my wife. And I was changing, and we were getting ready to get at the road. She sat there and counted it off, and we cried. Yeah. <laughs> God, I'm going to take care of it. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And uh, he's, he's a good God. Faithful. Yeah, he's, he's a good God. I bless his name for it. Yes. When I went full time here, uh, I left the job at the sheriff's office, gave up a, a car I was driving every day back and forth to work. And, uh, I, that first week, they didn't give me a raise, anything here. They was already good to me, and I didn't ask for a raise. Right. That first week, I sat down in my office, and I laid my money out. I'd, I'd gotten cash. I'd cashed my, my, my church check, and I'd spent everything out of cash. And I thought to myself, I'll figure out how much I'm going to have at the end of each week. I had no clue. And I sat down, and I looked at that money, and... Uh, I counted it out, and I had $175. I counted it out two or three times. I said, well, this is okay. I can make it. It's Friday. If I can make a hunt, come out with $175 every week, that's fine. I put it back in my billfold, started to walk outside, and Rachel called. And she said, they called from the electric office, said, electric bills for you. I said, well, there goes my $175. Uh, I said, uh, I ain't going to make it. And I got in the car and drove to the electric office my whole way. I said, I won't make it. I ain't going to make it. I'm going to start doing this. Yeah. I walked in the electric office and I opened my billfold. Now, I'm telling you, I took all the cash out of my billfold, counted it two or three times, laid it out separate. I opened up my billfold and I had $375. <laughs> Somehow, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Amen. <laughs> Somehow between here and there, God turned tens into hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> and I sat there and I was wiping tears and I that woman at the electric office and she said, Bradley, you okay? I said, yeah. <laughs> she said, what's wrong? I said, God turned tens into hundreds on the way over here and I don't know how. Amen. Amen. And uh, that's when God confirmed in my heart. Amen. And uh, I, we, I'm telling you, we ain't missed, we ain't missed out on nothing. No, no. Not a thing. God has been faithful around every corner and every turn. Yes, sir. God has been faithful. He's been so good to us. 
Uh, you know, if we'll, it, and of course, what I've learned is if we'll follow him with a sincere heart. Yeah. And uh, sometimes when it don't make sense, and he'll take care of us. He will. He'll yeah. take care of yeah. us. You've all heard it where God guides, he provides. Yeah. He does. That's a fact. That's yeah. one thing I can testify yes, to yeah. with 100% certainty. Yeah. Uh, there's some things in my life. I say about this the other day. There's some things in my life that really cement in my heart that there is a God and that He is He yeah. is faithful and true. Amen. And it's things like that that yes, I've seen sir. Him do. That yes, it, there's no way to explain it other than God had to have done it. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. This makes it so real in my life yeah. that, that God is who He says He is. Yeah. We, we mentioned this earlier. And we, we've asked several men this. And I mentioned, I think you alluded to some of it a moment ago. If you could tell young preacher Gary one piece of advice, what what would it be? Ain't no doubt. I would. I'd give anything. To go back and tell that young man to to get under his pastor and grow and learn and don't be in a big hurry and and wait on the Lord and roll in roll in a good Bible college. Uh, there's good Bible colleges. And today, with modern technology, man, it's it's so easily accessible yeah. that we can have some Bible college. But I would, I'd give anything if I could have went back and and I wish somebody had sat me down and said, "Son, I don't know if I'd listen to him, but yeah. uh, uh, I would have I would told myself just to just to get under you, Pastor." You know, I knew a lot more as a young preacher than I do as an older preacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's, That's a fact. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brother Gary, we appreciate you. Being oh, here. thank you for letting. And uh, it's been great hearing about what God's done in your life and those transitions, and uh, uh, you've helped us today, and I appreciate I so. that. I hope so. And we appreciate you watching. Be sure and share the podcast. Tune in again next Monday at five. And until then, we'll just remind you strengthen the things that remain.